Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. All right, welcome to the Dan Bongino Show. Producer Joe, how are you today? Well, it is Friday, Dan, but uh, I'm doing okay. Yeah. How about yourself, brother? Yeah, rough night. Terrible uh, story. Mm. Woke up this morning. It uh, happened in New Zealand. So uh, let's get right to it. I want to address some uh, critical things about this that Joe and I um, have addressed before with regards to houses of worship. Uh, uh, hopefully, using some of my prior expertise uh, in uh, the Secret Service, maybe uh, help someone out there uh, who's involved in securing these types of locations. Um, let's get to it, though. Uh, today's show brought to you uh, by our friends at uh, Chamonix. Hey, do you wish that double chin would just disappear? All those bags and puffiness getting a little worse every day. Just listen to Robin S. from Lubbock, Texas. I put that jawline cream in my neck like two or three days ago. It's the best my neck has looked in over 20 years. Several people have told me my face looks young. I am blown away. My wife uses GenuCell. My mother-in-law uses GenuCell. They love the products. With GenuCell's natural actives and a pure antioxidant base with no parabens, chemical scents, or pharmaceutical preservatives, it's the clean luxury your skin deserves every day. Order right now, and the GenuCell jawline treatment is yours absolutely free for ordering the classic GenuCell plant, syrup, uh, plant stem cell therapy for bags and puffiness. That's plant stem cell therapy for your bags and puffiness. Text YOUNG. The word young, opposite of old, because that's how you'll look, young, to 77453 or go to genucell.com. That's genucell.com with Chamonix's 100% money-back guarantee. You only have the bags, wrinkles, and the double chin to lose. Order now while three-day shipping is still free. Text the word young to 77453 or go to genucell.com. That's genucell.com, G-E-N-U-C-E-L.com. Um, so, folks, we had a uh, an attack last night in a mosque in New Zealand and tragically, it appears now that over 40 people were killed by this maniac who actually filmed this thing uh, and put it out there. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, the horror of, of, of doing it and not only doing it, but filming it, seemingly celebrating your savagery um, is really hard to fathom for a lot of uh, normal folks like us. But I've brought this up before. These houses of worship become targets of attack frequently because they present uh, a tactical advantage for these killers and these attackers, Joe. That tactical advantage, uh, we've seen these in, in, in shootings in, in, uh, in temples, in, in Christian churches, in mosques, is folks, keep in mind, uh, if you are a member of a church uh, or, or, or you conduct security in a church, you are a church leader, uh, it's your responsibility to understand that these things can become targets, these locations, because everybody's attention is in a very specific direction, in a mm -hmm. mosque, a temple, or a church. And that direction, Joe, who performs in a church mm -hmm. often, is straight ahead. Yep. Um, that's not typically the case. I mean, even when you think about other places that have become targets, um, like schools, the door is typically at the front of the room. So if someone comes in, you can see them, and there's a chance for you to respond. Uh, flee or escape, attack. I mean, I'm not suggesting these are great tactical options for you, but at least you're aware of what's happening. The problem with the church is there's an element of surprise because everybody's attention is up front mm -hmm. and the uh, it's, it's kind of a similar uh, dynamic to a movie theater where if you were to come in the back of a movie theater, everybody's attention is in one direction and typically there's that that fog of uh, that fog of the attack where it takes people a couple of seconds to respond to what's happening. And the attention is all in one direction up front, and people don't typically see the back door of the church because there's no warning. I only bring that up because, again, it's your responsibility. I bring this up to anybody who will listen who is a, a responsible member of their church to have eyes on that back door always. Remember, in any kind of a worship service, uh, what's going on is typically up front. Again, people's eyes are up front and the doors are almost always, all, almost always in the back. Nobody mm -hmm. enters the church from behind the altar. Nobody. It just doesn't happen. Only the priest does that. Right. All the, uh, the attention is up front while the doors and the entrance to the location, if you were going to attack, were going to be in the back. Now, uh, this brings up just uh, another thing I saw today on the Drudge Report. So obviously... The ingress and egress, how we'd call it in the Secret Service, the, the way you get in and out as an attacker matters, ingress and egress. Uh, that, that's always a big thing. How are you going to escape? Now, with uh, homicide bombers who kill themselves, uh, that doesn't matter because they don't really plan on any egress. They'll get in, but they have no intention of getting out. But right. still, there are some people who attack these types of locations who have the intention of getting out. Ingress and egress is a big thing. We just covered that in Houses of Worship being a, uh, being a target. But secondly, is the ability to immobilize uh, these types of attacks quickly matters. 
I bring that up because there's another story I saw at Drudge today about the attack on Maduro, the Venezuelan uh, slob dictator, tyrant, murderous thug. But nonetheless, there was an attack on him months ago using drones. And it matters because this type of attack, as I wrote about in my book, Protecting the President, uh, is a story up at CNN World Today about it. There you can see it. Paula has it up on the screen on the YouTube for those of you who want to watch uh, the video program, youtube.com slash Bongino. The headline says, Inside the Plot to Kill Maduro with Drones. Why do drones, as I wrote about in my book, again, Protecting the President, I wrote at length about this, why do they present an interesting security problem in the future? So we talked about the houses of worship first, the drones now. Because, Joe, your ability to immobilize, render inefficient, or just uh, kind of mute an attack that's not an attack at all mm -hmm. depends on your ability to make contact with it. Yes. So when I was a Secret Service agent at the White House, we would get, you'd get breaks a lot. They're called breaks on alarms, meaning somebody tripped an alarm on the White House grounds mm -hmm. or something tripped an alarm, I should say. So you'd hear like, you know, break on whatever. I'll just make it A A12. And everybody would go into like, okay, hyper attentive mode. Mm -hmm. And typically, a uniformed division officer would walk out to that location, say it's on the south ground somewhere in a tree line. They'd look, and you know, 999 out of 100 times, Joe, they'd come back over, and you'd hear the uniformed division officer say, uh, clear wildlife. Mm -hmm. Meaning it was like a squirrel or or, or whatever, something, a, a dog or something <laughs> yeah. like that, a cat or whatever, had yeah. tripped an alarm on the White House grounds. You'd hear that all the time. Right. What's the problem with a drone, Joe? We can't fly. Right. So there's no way, uh, easy way at least, to mute, render uh, render safe, or make contact with a drone because human beings obviously can't fly. It presents a new um, and very difficult security challenge for security folks out there. And the only way to defeat this challenge now is for technology itself to make contact with that machine. In other words, another drone to take it down. Um, a, a electronic device that can jam the signal between the operator, if there even is an operator, or maybe lasers, uh, lasers that can be focused laser attacks on that drone, which could fry its mechanics or microwaves or things like that and take it out of the sky. But you're going to see new security challenges in the future as well with the drones. Um, so again, I, I'm only bringing this up in the beginning of the show. I've put out the lead first uh, to give you some example of how my prior line of work and some of the things I was taught, another thing I made up myself, uh, may be able to help uh, you all in the future. It's going to be interesting security challenges. Okay, uh, moving on. Um, I want to get to just some unbelievably damning information that keeps coming out about this whole Spygate thing, which is just, it's now coming out in, in droves, Joe. It, yeah. What started as a drip, drip, drip has turned mm -hmm. into just a tidal wave of material. And you know what's shocking, too? I've mm. noticed on Twitter... That there's this, I don't get it. There's this, uh, there, there are people on Twitter who seem somewhat frustrated. Oh, I'm getting tired of this drip, drip, drip. What, what are you getting tired of? You don't want to know what happened. I don't understand. Right, like they're yeah. upset. The, did you notice that? Yeah, it's I strange. Did. They're losing patience. Uh, people uh, are losing patience. Uh, yeah. But with what? I don't understand. Like this right. finally coming out. Like right. this is not the time to bail now. <laughs> exactly. I get it. Like you can complain about the glacial pace in the past, but oh, I'm done with this. I'm, done. I'm like, you're what? I'm not talking about my show. I mean, people <laughs> who still listen, but it's like they, they were expecting this all to come out at the same time as if this right. deep state bureaucratic morass that was interested in hiding it didn't exist. So I want to get to that. Before I get to that, just quickly, if we can play this video of uh, Nancy Pelosi. <laughs> I just sent it to Joe a few minutes ago. Uh, yeah. Again, you'll, you'll hear the audio of the video be on the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Bongino. Please comment on our YouTube channel, by the way. We love it. Paula wants me to uh, push your, your your feedback on it. We love to read your comments on the YouTube channel. Um, but I just want to quickly get to this so I don't forget it. This is Nancy Pelosi, the Democrats' far-left lurch towards radicalism, expressing her support for dropping the voting age to 16. Play that cut. I myself, personally, I'm not speaking for my caucus, I myself have always been for lowering the, vote, the voting age to 16. I think it's really important to capture kids when they're in high school, when they're interested in all of this, when they're learning about government to be able to vote. That is, that is not necessary. You know, in other words, some of the priorities in this bill are about uh, transparency and openness and accessibility and the rest. Uh, that's a subject of debate, but my view is that uh, I would welcome that. But I've been in that position. Oh, 
Okay. <laughs> Listen, I am not here, Joe. I, I mean this sincerely, folks. I'm not messing around. Right. I am not here to attack 16-year-olds. My daughter's 15. She's very bright. She had a lot of students in her class. I'm not going to name on the show, but my wife knows who they are, who were super bright. Some of them were smarter than some adults I know. Mm. But can we say as a general fair criticism of this nonsense that in general, at 16, your life experience, just chronologically due to your time on the earth, 16 years, um, is probably not enough to have a deep enough understanding of the issues to understand the ramifications of what you're voting for. Joe, is that a fair criticism? I, I would agree with you there, Dan. Now, and and one of the ways that you can hammer that home to your friends who support this ridiculous, outrageous proposal, this is insane. I mean, what did I tell you about state-run revolutions? They yeah, leapfrog yeah. each other with yeah. dumber and dumber proposals to show how pure they are, right? Let's, let's vote over the voting age to 10. Oh, man, Joe. You know what we need right now? We we need uh we need six minute abs from uh, from uh, something about Mary <laughs> six minute abs what was this remember they said something about Mary the the guy that the serial killer gets in the car and he's talking to Ben Stiller he's like, I got an idea six seven minute abs seven minute abs I screwed seven minute abs and oh no and then Ben Stiller's the one who comes back and says well. You're going to beat seven minute. Thanks for having that. You're yeah. going to beat seven minute abs. He goes, well, why wouldn't someone just produce six minute abs? And the serial killer looks and goes, don't be an idiot. You can't do abs in six minutes. This is the state run revolution. There you six go. Six minute, five minute, ab- two minute abs. This is it. Lower the voting age to 12. How about 11? How about my daughter, Amelia? She's inside watching my little pony. Mimi. Man, Camelia, come on in here. Let's vote on something. She is. She's in. I'm not even kidding. She's in the living room watching episodes of My Little Pony. Yeah, get her to vote. Paula, get her in here. I want to see if she can get her on video. I'd love to see if she has the capacity to understand marginal tax rates. That would be great. Like, you understand how dumb this is? Yeah, sure. Who does 16 minutes. 16 years. Now, here's one of the ways you knock this down. Because, again, people think in analogies, narratives, and stories, and it's a little simpler. You should say to them, well, okay. So think about this logically. Do you want to lower the drinking age to 16? And I can almost guarantee you, Joe, 90 plus percent of people would say, no, alcohol right. serious. Hey, come on in. Here's my daughter. Mimi, come here. Come on, camera. Join me for this episode here. Can you explain? See, you look, you're up on the screen. Can you explain to the audience how you feel <laughs> about marginal tax rates? Are they good or bad? <laughs> what do you think about them? Are, are they good or are, are marginal tax rates good or bad? You don't know. Okay, thank you. Good girl. There, folks, proving my point, there's my daughter, five-year-old Amelia, who I love. Thank you, Mimi. You're the best. She appears in our episode, and if she she wants to watch Starlight Glimmer on My Little Pony right now because she's five. I love my daughter, but she getting into a deeper explanation with her about marginal tax rates is probably not good. I love her to death. She's my girl. She's cute, isn't she, folks? <laughs> Adorable. Uh, I'm sorry. I keep saying that. I I don't. You know what? The five minute abs. I, I forget it. Paul is like she comes in. She's like you. You just messed that part of the whole show up. I did. But leave it. Leave it at this. My daughter. <laughs> my daughter doesn't understand enough to vote. Okay. Right now, getting back to my argument there. My daughter's seven. Getting up to. <laughs> don't give him any getting ideas. <laughs> five. I know. Right. I know exactly. <laughs> uh, I had five minute abs in my head. Getting back to my story there, if you don't want to lower the drinking age, which upwards of 90% of people will not want to do, of course, right? you'd say to yourself, but you want kids to be able to vote, 16-year-old teenagers, on lowering the drinking age to 16. So you get my analogy, Joe? Yeah, I sure You do. don't want to lower the drinking age, but you want to give 16-year-olds the political power to be able to lower the drinking age to 16. Mm-hmm. Does that make any sense to you? That, of course it doesn't make any sense. No. It's ridiculous. But again, it speaks to the seven-minute abs state power political revolution where you constantly have to leapfrog each other for political uh, oomph. You know, we're not, you're not pure enough. You're not pure enough. It's just ridiculous. All right, I spent more time on that than I planned on, but it was important I got that out there because it proves my point. The yep. seven-minute abs political revolution is very real. We'll be at five-minute abs uh, shortly. Seven. <laughs> my wife creeped in there. She's like, seven. I know. Five minute abs. That was a Muttley moment for me, right? There. Okay. You're getting a kick out of the show today, aren't you? Yeah, so I am. Wife. As a matter of fact, yeah. Keep. Isn't going, she brother. cute though, my daughter? 
She's adorable, isn't she? Uh, yeah, She's you, literally watching you, My Little Pony inside. You are, Applejack <laughs> and Starlight Glimmer. I can tell you like every single character. Princess Celestia from My Little Pony and a Wolf. All right, getting back to the important stuff. So uh, John Solomon from The Hill, who how many times do I have to tell you this, knows the whole story. He appeared on The Hannity Show last yeah. night, and uh, he he created this little foil effect, you know, like a diamond on a black background where you create uh, imagery that's really powerful mm-hmm. because it, it it creates a contrast. And he used this diamond on a black background analogy last night. It was super powerful. And it, what he said last night was powerful because it, it shows to you that justice in the country right now, the justice system is not blind. Um, as we know it, it is, in fact, dead. He brought up this great point. First, he talked about how, and he has in his piece, which I have up in the show notes, which is a must read. So please include it. Uh, 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 please include it in your daily reading of my show notes, Bongino.com. Subscribe to my email list. I'll send it to you. How, excuse me, new evidence is emerging that the Bureau, the FBI, in their use of Stefan Halper as a source, Stefan Halper was an intelligence asset who had made contact with two primary FBI targets in the case, Carter Page and George Papadopoulos, how some of these conversations between Page and Papadopoulos may have contained extensive information of, pay attention here, this is going to, I'm going to talk about the foil in a minute, how powerful this analogy was, the innocence of these two people. Folks, think about this. Here's a quote uh, from the piece. This is from John Solomon's piece. This is a powerful quote. His reporting from more than two dozen sources, many with access to the FBI's evidence, suggests that one answer to the question lies in Halper, this is the intelligence asset, his interactions with the two Trump campaign advisors. Some of it documented, Joe, in FBI records. Mm. And interviews with both men reveal just how much they told Halper about what? Their innocence. Folks, think about how profound, deep, and destructive this is a point in the FBI and CIA, um, their intelligent, Brennan, I should say specifically, in their case against the Trump team. Not only did they employ human, human, that's short for human intelligence, a human intelligence asset and helper to spy on the Trump, spy, spy, I know liberals hate that word, that's why I use it even more, capitalize it, spy, Paula, maybe we can, Paula, in the post-production here, can we put a big capital letters spy with an exclamation point up over my left shoulder there? That would be really awesome if we could do that. Spy, this guy was a spy. Okay, he was a spy. He was an intelligence asset with deep ties to the intelligence community who the government employed to gather assets and information on the Trump campaign. In other words, a spy. Not Long only did they spy nose, on them. Big weird hat. Spy. You know spy. what I'm talking about. Spy versus spy. It drives, spy. Him, cra- yeah. <laughs> it drives him crazy. Yes. Yes. And what? Remember, I, you know what? I that Was that a Mad Magazine yeah, thing? Yeah, yeah. It was, right? Yeah. yeah. One, had, one had the black outfit, one had the white outfit. Yeah, yeah spy versus spy. Exactly. Maybe we throw, There you go. <laughs> Look at her. You didn't even need post-production. It's up there right now. Beautiful. She's quick. She's getting good like there that. There you go. So not only do we have the fact that a huge scandal that a presidential <laughs> campaign was spied on, but even worse, Joe, the spy, big caps. You see it up there. Yeah. Actually, up there the other way. Everything's in reverse on my monitor up there. You see it now that not only they spy on them, but prong number two when the spy made contact with the Trump campaign, scandalous enough, the information he got was that they were entirely innocent of the charges they were being spied on for. Oh, do, do you get this? Do you get what I'm saying? Uh, this is this is not. A, listen, this case can get complicated. I know because we're yeah. like knee deep in book two right now. This is not complicated. Prong number one. The United States government spied on a political campaign. Very simple. Mm-hmm. Prong number two, even worse. They continued the investigation despite the fact that multiple sources are telling people, notably John Solomon in the Hill, please read this piece of the show notes. Go to Bongino.com and click on the show notes attached to the podcast. It's under the podcast on the menu function. Just click menu podcast and right there. Not only that, the sources are telling Solomon that the evidence was that they were innocent that they had no contacts uh, with Russian officials exchanging oh. information about the tr- campaign mm-hmm. and, and Hillary's emails. Yeah. Folks, this is devastating. Now, getting back to my original point. I'm sorry, but I had to set it up because the, it's, it's critical, setting up the foil, the diamond on the black background. 
He says last night on Hannity, you know, what's really amazing about this is the FBI pursues this investigation against Donald Trump, Joe, continues to spy on them, Mm -hmm. hammers them with the most powerful law enforcement agencies in the country and intelligence agencies, despite evidence that all of this is hooey, it's garbage, it's Mm -hmm. made up, it's a fabrication, it's a myth, it's a fable, it's a fairy tale, but they continue it. And yet he goes on and contrasts it with the Washington Examiner story in the breaking news yesterday. Uh, Peter Stroke's testimony has now come out. His uh, thanks to Doug Collins, uh, GOP representative up on Capitol Hill, who put out Peter Stroke's testimony. And the Washington Examiner covered this yesterday. And what's fascinating about this, Joe, is the FBI had strong evidence of Hillary Clinton's guilt in the classified information being exchanged over a private email uh, server scandal. And they ran from the case. Here is a devastating quote from this Washington Examiner piece. Fired FBI agent Peter Stroke told Congress last year that the agency unbelievably did not have access to Clinton Foundation emails that were on Hillary Clinton's private server because of a consent agreement, quote, negotiated between the Department of Justice attorneys and the counsel for the Clintons. So let me get this straight. Excellent, excellent point by Solomon. Yes, this is hard to believe. It is. So you spy on the Trump team. You 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 use a spit it out there. You go to the FISA court to get warrants on the Trump team. You are using the two hop rule through those FISA warrants to use a, a massive surveillance dragnet to gather all the information, emails, phone calls. You're using human intelligence, signals intelligence, international spy ponders, despite no evidence, not only no evidence of what you're saying, this collusion thing is true, but evidence that it's not true. And yet with the Hillary email campaign, uh, uh, email scandal, you have mounds of evidence that her entire team engaged in a conspiracy to hide the the laundering of classified information over, you know, I'll wipe the C off mm-hmm. the information. Well, and it's just, I don't know what the C meant. Uh, classified? <laughs> you didn't, you're the secretary of state. Despite mounds of information, Hillary's lawyers were allowed to negotiate an agreement where they weren't even looking at the Clinton Foundation servers. Stated simply before I move on, Trump was investigated despite evidence of his innocence. Hillary was not properly investigated despite evidence of her guilt. You know, uh, on the panels on Hannity, which I like a lot because there's a lot of good back and forth, but you have to be quick because the show's mm-hmm. only an hour long. Yeah. Probably 40-something minutes with commercials. You know this with radio, Joe, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, your segments are short sometimes. You have to be quick. I always say, you know, when if you're ever going to run for office, learn how to speak in sound bites and snapshots. Yeah. Take good photos on your campaign and learn how to speak in sound bites. It's not being a jerk. It's just... The press is going to, they're going to publish a sound, but they're not going to publish your manifesto, okay? Just pub, make it quick and snappy. Solomon has a way on his appearances uh, of just hammering it home in a soundbite that's just terrific. It just is. And he said it last night perfectly. So Trump's investigated despite evidence he's actually not guilty. Hillary's not properly investigated despite mounds of evidence that she's actually guilty. Yet nothing to see here. Nothing to see here, folks, at all. All right, moving on. Uh, Chuck Ross at the Daily Caller, another guy doing uh, tremendous work on the uh, old Spygate drama, has another piece. Again, the show notes today are really, really good. Please read them. He has a piece out about the involvement, uh, which we cover in detail. I haven't uh, talked about my book in a while, my first book on this. And, uh, you know, I, I don't want to hammer you guys to death with, hey, please pick this up and that up. I'm, you know, I'm not here to drive you all crazy. But please, if you haven't read my book on this Spygate uh, that's out now on Amazon, we're working on the sequel, please read it. Spygate, the sequel, will make a lot of sense, more sense, if you understand the detail in Spygate 1, let's say, okay? Uh, So please pick up my book, Spygate, uh, with Denise McAllister and Matt Palumbo. We did a lot of good work on it. And one of the things we cover extensively in that book is the involvement of very specific Republicans um, in the promotion of the dossier. Now, notably, the McCain team, and what later on we found out to maybe Representative Adam Kinzinger as well, there's a reason now that we're discovering the motive behind people. Here's the report uh, Paula put up on the screen here by Chuck Ross again. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's because John McCain associate had contact with a dozen reporters regarding steel dossier. That's the headline. Now, why was this important? Because Joe, now David Kramer, who was an associate of John McCain, a staffer uh, knows John McCain very well, obviously since past God rest his soul. uh, Mm -hmm. But John McCain staffer Kramer, Kramer's deposition he gave 
in a London court with regards to a lawsuit his name came up in. That was considered, that was private before. Though the, uh, his deposition and his words are now public. So there's oh. been some extensive analysis done on that by Jeff Carlson at the Markets Work. Um, I saw Brian Cates, uh, uh, who does runs a Twitter account, had some pretty uh, good analysis. And again, me and Brian tend to agree, disagree a little bit on Rosenstein and stuff, but that's fine. I'm not, you know, I'm... I'm not, uh, uh, you know, a, 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 a podcast tyrant, you know, who, you know, you got to shut down anybody. Who did. I'm glad there are different analyses out there of what's going on. I am. I mean it. I'm glad there are differing opinions. You know, sooner or later, one of us will be right. One of us will be wrong. There's yeah. absolutely nothing wrong with taking a different approach. But now that Kramer's deposition is out there, there are a lot of just nuggets in there that are just precious. So now we find out that it's highly likely that uh, Christopher Steele, Glenn Simpson, and the Fusion GPS crew were pushing this information not only through the State Department. Remember what I talk about the flood the zone strategy? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Flood the zone is a football analogy where you just send a bunch of receivers downfield. You flood the zone with so many receivers who can catch the ball because you're hoping to flood the zone and overwhelm the defense, right? Right. The flood the zone strategy by the propagandist behind the whole steel dossier nonsense and the collusion hoax was to send the information. Remember, it's the same information, Joe. Fusion GPS and steel. It's the movie script, which I'll get to in a second, too. Uh Send it to so many different people that when it winds up in the FBI's hands from all these different people that it looks real because 20, 30 different people, whatever it may be, gave it to them. Mm -hmm. You know, I can't say this enough. If if someone told me Joe Armacost robbed a bank, I, I seriously, I'd laugh. I mean it. I'd laugh. I'd be like, yeah, okay, sure. Joe robbed the right, right. It makes a yeah. lot of sense, right? <laughs> you know, if two people tell me, I'd still laugh. If five people tell me, I'd be like, you know, it's not the Joe I know, but is there something to this? All of a sudden, 20 different people show up. Hey, man, that guy you're working with robbed the bank last week. Really? All of a sudden, I'd have to start to take it seriously, despite the fact that sure. poor Joe. I know Joe That's wouldn't right. rob a bank, but- the same strategy that was the flood the zone strategy uh-huh. with with the uh, with the with the dossier the collusion allegations. If you could get it in through Weiner in the State Department, Victoria Newland in the State Department, Bruce Orr in Justice, uh, Bianca his handler in the FBI, Andy McCabe, Peter Stroke, uh, Lisa Page. If you could get this information into enough hands that that slowly wound up into the FBI, it would look more credible. And what better way to do it than to give it to a Republican? Now, I believe McCain was targeted, targeted, McCain's team was targeted as a vehicle to get this dossier information into the hands of the FBI for two reasons. Reason number one is important. McCain and Trump, listen, it's obvious we're not speaking ill of the dead. They just did not like each other. Um, Trump didn't, wasn't a fan of McCain. McCain was not a fan of Trump. None of this is a mystery. So reason one is, you know, hello, Captain Obvious. They just didn't like each other. So obviously, if you're going to attack Joe Armacost as being mm-hmm. a bank robber when he is not, you're not going to give it to, you know, Joe's kid because Joe's kid's going right. to laugh or me <laughs> because we're going to go, this is just dumb. You're going to give it to someone who doesn't like Joe, you know, you're going to give it to uh, whatever, some guy he worked with down the road and Joe got promoted and he didn't, he, doesn't, he just yeah. doesn't like, he's bitter and Joe, well, they'll pass it on somewhere. So they gave it to McCain. But reason number two is very important. Paula, sorry to jump around, but this is important. Can you put up that nation, the nation piece, the headline from that? A uh, hat tip to one of my great sources on this who's been doing tremendous work. Look at this piece, folks. Oh, Look, keep daddy. this up for a second, Paul. No. Oh, isn't this great? Now, if you can no. see it on the YouTube channel, don't worry. It's perfect on audio, too. I'm not neglecting my audio audience. On the audio, Paula has a screenshot up of a headline. The date, before I'm even going to read the deadline, I want to read the date. October 1st. 2008, nearly one month before a critical day. Keep that up, Paul. November 4th, 2008. What was November 4th, 2008, Joe? Election day. Yeah, baby. John McCain, Barack Obama, election day. Now, nearly a month before, here's the headline from The Nation. McCain's Kremlin ties. McCain's Kremlin ties. What do you mean? Not Trump's Kremlin ties? No, no, McCain's Kremlin ties. He may talk tough about Russia, but John McCain's political advisors have advanced Putin's imperial ambitions. (laughs) Great. That was a great show. I like that. Folks, (laughs) 
McCain had been targeted by the exact same Russian collusion smears. Oh! Ah. McCain understood the damage this would do. At least his staff did. McCain's staff had been targeted by the exact same thing. They must have understood the effectiveness of this Russian smear because it happened to them. Now, I've already included in prior shows, that's not the only article out there. John Solomon's circa piece, Solomon, same John Solomon, folks, I'm telling you, uh, and is, is a Washington Post piece by Solomon as well and others, where he talks about this targeting of McCain in the past. Uh, Paula, can you put that up one more time? Uh, notice who's in that uh, in that uh, that headline, uh, the piece. There's two figures sit- seated at the at the table. Who are the figures in this nation piece? McCain, McCain's Kremlin, Kremlin ties. Vladimir Putin. And right. who's that guy Putin's looking at? Oleg Deripaska. Yes, oh! Oleg Deripaska. The key figure who appears in the 2007 Glenn Simpson movie script piece where he lays out the exact same plot. The Russians attempt to influence U.S. politics. Folks, they leaked to Kramer. And the McCain staff, because they didn't like Trump, and they understood that they that McCain and his team understood the damage this would do. Now, from Chuck Ross's piece, here's a quote from Chuck Ross's piece. Kramer, in his deposition, said he believed McCain was sought out in order to provide more oomph in terms of attracting the FBI's attention. Keep that up for a second. What do we mean by that? That oomph, Joe, is in the flood the zone strategy. You don't want all of the information coming from Democrats because then it looks what? Partisan, obviously, right? right it's right. not a trick. No. If it's always all the information is coming from the Dems, it looks really bad. Like, wow, that's really partisan. So to provide more, quote, oomph, as Kramer indicates, he believes they gave the information to him and his crew, the Republicans, because if Republicans passed it to the FBI, which McCain's team did, it would look like, wow, this is really legitimate. Armacost must have really robbed that bank. Even oh. allies of Joe Armacost are talking. In other words, it must have looked like Trump really colluded with the Russians because even the Republicans are saying it. The quote goes on. I think they felt the senior Republican was better to be a recipient of this rather than a Democrat, because if it were a Democrat, I think that the view was that it would have been dismissed as a political attack, said Kramer. Hmm. Folks, do you understand how devastating this is, how this whole I get the impatience of the glacial pace of this investigation. But I want you to somewhat smile a little bit because as I tweeted out yesterday, the greatest irony of this whole thing is the Democrats have brought this on themselves. They, the entire Spygate operation was exposed because of Democrat requests that the inspector general, the internal affairs department for the federal government investigate the FBI's actions in the Hillary email case. Remember that? Remember long ago when it was the Democrats who said the FBI was stealing the election for Mrs. Clinton by investigating her email case? Gee, that looks like a real hoot right now. It was the Dems themselves who asked for that. It was during that investigation that the the inspector general got the texts that exposed this whole thing from Stroke and Page. Here's the even bigger irony. The post-election hantavirus-like fever on the Democrat media side to tie Trump to a collusion fairy tale that doesn't exist has engendered a new breed of investigative reporters. Ross, Carlson, Cates, these other guys out there doing all this work that have deeply looked into this and have uncovered this entire plot because the Democrats wouldn't let it go. Not us. We're not the... You get what I'm saying, Joe? It's not us. Right. We understood this thing was a hoax from the start. If the Democrats just would have let it go, be like, hey, Trump won. We kind of got busted there, you know, (laughs) with the (laughs) dossiers, a hoax. This thing's all crap. Right. Joe, am I kidding? Like, let's just make it. You drop the what do the kids say? Just take the L. Just take the loss. You know, sometimes you're in a jujitsu ground fighting match with a guy who's like a blue belt and you're a purple belt and he's just bigger and stronger. And you're just like, gosh, I don't want to tap to this lower belt guy and look bad. You just you're you're just finished. You're just I'm sorry. It's happened to me a few times. You have a bad day where you get some monster in there who's like a freakish athlete and he's like choking the wind out of you. And you're like, I can't (laughs) tap. I can't. And you're like, okay, I'm going to die if I don't tap. Here you go. Tap out. You got this one, brother. Live to fight another day. The Dems just wouldn't tap out. 
no, collusion is real. And their media butt kissers surgically attaching their lips to their cabooses. Oh, yes, keep our CNN endlessly, Brian Stelter and this guy endlessly promoting a collusion hoax that didn't mm-hmm. exist. And the irony of it is your promotion of this hoax has exposed who? Not Trump, but all of this, the Democrats. The Democrats' collusion with fusion. The Democrats' collusion with Republican staffers to pin it on the Trump team who are enemies of the Trump team. It is that that has got these investigative reporters out there digging it up. Thank you, Democrats. Hold on. Quick, uh, with my bad elbows surgically repaired. Look at that. The right arm. Doing a little better today. No blood. Hey, look at that. Uh, My surgically repaired now. Right and left arm. Thank you, Democrats, for exposing all of this nonsense. Hey, this gets better. Don't go anywhere. So from the uh, Daily Caller piece as well, another quote. So this is where this gets really, really great. Paula highlighted a little word for me at the end. So Kramer in the deposition, this is the McCain staffer, said Glenn Simpson of Fusion GPS informed him about BuzzFeed's publication of the dossier. Remember, BuzzFeed's the first one to publish the whole dossier. Mm -hmm. He said he immediately called Benzinger to request the report be taken down. The first words out of my mouth are, you're going to get people killed, said Kramer. This is where it gets fascinating, though. Kramer also said that he spoke to Steele, Christopher Steele, hours after BuzzFeed published the dossier, and that the former spy was, quote, shocked. The longtime McCain associate also said he lied to Steele about providing the dossier to Benzinger. Now, folks, why would he be, quote, shocked, Christopher Steele, about the publication of the dossier? And why would Kramer, looking to hurt Trump, want BuzzFeed to take it down? Think this through, think this through think this through if the dossier is a series of lurid disgusting uh, notably false allegations against trump mm-hmm. but they're using it to prosecute him through the media and to spy on him through halper the agency and open up a case in the fbi an investigation then joe why would they not want the whole thing out there i mean wouldn't it publicly humiliate and yeah. embarrass trump right. and buzzfeed i mean re- think about it right if i'm looking mm-hmm. to prosecute and embarrass Joe about the bank robbery allegations. Why would I not want the media to run with it, right? That's right, yeah. No, 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 no. No, no, no. okay. No, not at all. Their strategy, Joe, is becoming clear now through Kramer and his multiple contacts with the media, which Jeff Carlson lists out on his Twitter account. I think he's at the market's work. Very good. Washington Post, BuzzFeed, Yahoo, and others. Their strategy was to drip, 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 drip this thing out but Mm. never leaked the entire thing. Now, why would you not want the entire thing leaked? Because it was fake. Mm -hmm. It was fake. Notably, a lot of media figures were upset that the entire dossier was... Let me give you a, let me give you an analogy. Maybe this will make sense because I can, I'm going to explain this all day, but again, stories always work better. Mm -hmm. If I leak this document about Joe robbing a bank, right? And one of the allegations is he was at the bank at this particular time. He's carrying a weapon. It's on camera. Um, you may think, wow, well, there's a lot of evidence there that Joe may have robbed that bank. But let's say some of the more ridiculous allegations in the thing that are said to get people's attention, Joe, yep. but yeah. I know aren't true, that mm-hmm. the report against Joe says, and the motivation for Joe to rob the bank was he was told by Gozer the Gozerian. Oh, we'll get to Gozer in a minute for those who watch me on Hannity, Lessa. Gozer, the Joe knows who Gozer the Gozerian is. But Gozer the Gozerian, uh, space demon, told Joe to rob the bank, and Gozer is there. We have evidence Gozer told him. Joe, if you read that in a news outlet, BuzzFeed or otherwise, wouldn't you laugh and say, okay, you know, I was believing Joe may have robbed the bank for a minute, even though it's contrary to Joe's morals and ethics. Mm -hmm. But now that you're telling me Gozer the Gozerian told Joe to do it, now (laughs) I know this is probably, it discredits the source. Correct, Joe? Correct. You're like, okay, BuzzFeed are idiots, and whoever wrote Gozer the Gozerian and Joe's conspiracy (laughs) to rob a bank is clearly a bigger moron than BuzzFeed. (laughs) The, the document, the dossier in its entirety, or what we think was its entirety, hint, hint, based on the numbering system. You know who g- someone gave that. Pretty good work, by the way. We'll get to that another time. But what we believe was the entirety of the dossier was so nonsensical that Kramer, the McCain staffer, Christopher Steele, the guy whose name is on the dossier, but I don't believe wrote the whole thing. They were actually upset, Joe, 
because they wanted to drip, drip, drip mm. some of the more what they thought to be credible allegations out there. Let mm. the media run with the stories. Let the FBI take the whole dossier and them conduct a criminal investigation. But don't discredit and embarrass the entire document. Gotcha. Gotcha. Mm hmm. You, does that make sense now? Oh, yeah. That's why yeah. they're so upset. Yes. And, and Kramer's calling up Benzinger from BuzzFeed saying, you got to take this down because they don't want the whole thing out there because the whole thing is embarrassing. It's the Gozer, the Gozerian dossier. Yeah, That's right. Yeah. <laughs> the Gozerian dossier. <laughs> we haven't even, you saw Ghostbusters, you know. Gozer. All right, <laughs> let me get to this uh, read quick because I want, I want to just wrap this up and get to a couple more stories. There's a lot of busy news week. Friday's always a rush to get everything in because I know I won't see you mm-hmm. or hear you for two days. Uh, today's show also brought to you by our buddies at Robinhood. Robinhood's an investing app. So easy to use. I have Robinhood. I uh, love it. That lets you buy and sell stocks, ETFs, options, and cryptos all, here it is, commission-free. Commission-free. While other brokerages charge up to $10 for every trade, Robinhood doesn't charge any commission fees. You can trade stocks and keep all of your profits. Plus, there's no account minimum deposit needed to get started. Start investing at any level. You don't have to be a billionaire to get in there with Robinhood. The simple, intuitive design of Robinhood makes investing easy for newcomers and experts alike. Seriously, folks, their charts, diagrams, their information in there is so easy to read. You do not have to be an MBA or financial advisor to check it out. View easy to understand charts and market data and place a trade in just four taps on your smartphone. You can also view stock collections such as 100 Most Popular and other ones. With Robinhood, you can learn how to invest in the market as you build your portfolio, discover new stocks, track your favorite companies, get a custom notification for price movement so you never miss the right moment to invest. Robinhood, now, this is a special offer, is giving listeners of the Dan Bongino Show a free stock like Apple, Ford, or Sprint to help you build your portfolio. Sign up at bongino.robinhood.com. That's bongino.robinhood.com. Sign up today at Bongino.Robinhood.com. Claim your free stock. Apple, Ford, Sprint. Claim your free stock today. Bongino.Robinhood.com. All right. One final note on this. There is a brewing controversy about should the Mueller report uh, become public. The House voted on it unanimously to make the uh, Mueller report public. Um, I think this is a huge mistake, ladies and gentlemen. Um, I said to my wife the other day that... One of the points that's frequently missed by a lot of commentators on this case, I don't mean this is a, you know, to take a cheap shot at anybody, but it's just true, is how this ties to the Mueller thing will become clear in a second. During my history as a police officer and a federal agent, there are tons of investigate, innumerable investigations that are started that turn out to be fruitless. Um, I, I could give you an ex- I can't give names, obviously, but I remember one specific case where I was actually sitting in a proffer session. That's where the investigator, the government lawyer, the what we call an AUSA, an assistant United States attorney, mm-hmm. uh, the alleged bad guy, and their lawyer are sitting in a room. And in that proffer session, you, the, the general deal, Joe, is in a proffer, let's say we arrest you for something or we're going to prosecute for something. Mm-hmm. Whatever you say in that proffer will not be used against you. But here's the catch. Yeah. You can't lie. So if you're in there right. for robbing a bank and you lie about where you were on the day, mm-hmm. that deal goes out the window. Then we can use it against you and show you're a liar. But if right. you speak the truth, the generally understood prof, we used to call them king for a day deals. You're yeah. the king for that. You can say whatever you want. We're not yeah. going to use it against you in the proceeding. Okay, I did it. I did this. I did. We're not going to use that against you. So proffers are used. They're used often. But one of the reasons in an investigation, I bring that up because during an investigation, I was in a proffer one day. Sorry. Um, I actually did lose my place on that one. Some, but uh, I was in a proffer one day and we had a case and we put it this way. We had the wrong guy. Now, he turned out <laughs> okay. later to be the right guy on something different. But we had to charge him with something different. But it was the wrong guy. And we were like, okay. And you want to talk about having to lift and shift like audible, run mm-hmm. play, not a pass. Um, it's weird. Now, I say that because investigations happen all the time where you investigate someone and it's a similar name. It's a different person. It's a family member that looks alike um, or the person just didn't commit a crime and it was a mistake. And you you can't prove motive where motive is a component of the crime. Motive's not always a component of the crime. You pass counterfeit that whether you intended to pass the counterfeit or not, 
um, is not a component of the crime. It's kind of interesting in the Hillary Clinton case because her motives are relevant. Gross negligence is all the requirement for her yeah. to be prosecuted for classified information. Um, and that's for a reason. Because then if motive was a part of, say, passing counterfeit money or shuttling and classified information, then what would everybody claim their innocence on, Joe? Well, I, I didn't mean know. to do it. Yeah. I didn't know. That would be everybody's defense. Mm-hmm. So an element of the crime, passing counterfeit and passing counterfeit uh, or classified information, is not your intent. Gross negligence is enough. But a lot of crimes do have a motive component. Sometimes the motive just isn't wrong. My point in this whole thing is that many investigations start all the time at the federal, state, and local level that go absolutely nowhere, Joe. Innocent people are, are, are looped into it. Sometimes co-conspirators in the crime try to take down other people who had nothing to do with it just to get out of it. Hey, I'll give mm-hmm. you this guy if you let me off. Well, the guy didn't do anything. Folks, because of that, there's a generally understood policy in the Department of Justice and elsewhere that you don't release uh, information regarding an investigation publicly um, until the case goes to trial and potentially at the end after a press release if someone's convicted. Why? Because if someone's innocent, you don't want to drag their name through the mud. This is not, is any of that hard to understand, Joe? Like, uh, you know, he's messed with you. Like, you were not a federal agent, right, Joe? He's experienced and sound agent. engineer and producer. But yes. does that make sense to you? Like, obviously, you don't drag people's names through the mud in an investigative piece of paperwork if you can't prove they were guilty of anything. Of course not. Hmm. Oh, thank you. Mm-hmm. So th- this thing about the Mueller, folks, I am not interested in hiding anything. Mm-hmm. I want a declassification of stuff at this point to find out why the FBI committed malfeasance. But releasing a Mueller investigative report to double down on people that may have been entirely innocent of any crime is absurd. I'm sorry. It's ridiculous. They may have come up empty. Well, But let me get back to my original point here, too. One of the problems I have with some of the commentariat on this is investigations. This is where I was going with this before the Mueller report. So two things. You don't investigations turn up empty often. So you don't release a report about people who could potentially be innocent and drag their names through the mud. You just don't do it. I'm sorry. That's not how we work in a constitutional republic where innocence is presumed. But secondly, these investigations frequently turn up empty handed. One of the problems I have with the FBI case is that they started the investigation based on faulty information. But that isn't even the biggest problem, Joe. The FBI would have had an excuse, not a good one. Let me be clear, okay? Mm -hmm. Because I know I'll get a thousand emails. Not a good excuse, but at least some form of a defensible excuse, Joe. If they would have said after opening Crossfire Hurricane, say after a month of investigating, hey, Mm -hmm. fellas, this information is crap, okay? We thought we were getting it from Steele. We had worked from him before. Some of this information is clearly not from Steele. We have this Glenn Simpson guy who's a paid political operative meeting with Bruce Orr at DOJ. This whole thing is corrupted. Steele's telling people he hates Trump. Simpson obviously doesn't like Trump. Brewer's wife is working for Fusion. This is tainted information. This This investigation needs to be shut down. Again, not a good excuse, but it would have been legitimate. And then say the FBI, right after opening Crossfire Hurricane, shuts it down and says, this is bad. We got roped into this. Let's just come clean. Okay. The problem I have with the case is that's not what happened. (laughs) The Bureau started a bad investigation on faulty information. And an affiant swore to it four times. A FISA, a renewal, another renewal. And another renewal. Somebody walked in front of a judge, put up his right hand, and I'm pretty confident I know who it is, and said, this information we got is true and is verified, and we verified it according to the Woods procedure. This is what a lot of the people are missing on this. It's not that the FBI started a bad investigation. Yes, that's bad enough. Bad investigations are started all the time. It's not criminal to start a bad investigation. Mm Mm-hmm. It is criminal to swear to the information you know is bad four times. By the way, that's one of the reasons for some of the people who have been getting uh, questions, because I know, again, that some people have a different analysis on the role of Rod Rosenstein. There's some people who think Rosenstein is a white hat. I'm, I disagree strongly. I respect your opinion. I'm not interested in any kind of nasty back and forth. I just don't buy it. 
Rosenstein signed the fourth FISA after people clearly knew within the chain of command that the DOJ and the FBI that this information was junk. They had to. The only explanation is that Rod Rosenstein is either the dumbest human being on the planet, which he's not, or he was not wasn't misfeasance. It was malfeasance. He knew he was swearing off to a or signing off on a on a bogus FISA application. That's why I don't buy the Rosenstein's a good guy thing. And he hired Mueller, who clearly targeted Trump. You have to believe Trump's an idiot to believe Mueller and Rosenstein are working hand in hand. You know, there's, oh, well, Mueller's going to say Trump wasn't guilty. Well, that's because he wasn't. That's not like Mm -hmm. a mystery. Mueller can't fabricate charges of collusion, uh, excuse me, proof of collusion and charges that doesn't exist. That's not Mueller working on Trump's behalf. That's just Mueller being locked in by the evidence he doesn't have. Mueller has done ruthless things to attack Trump. And Trump has attacked him on Twitter. You think Trump doesn't know what's going on? Oh, he's just a, like, it's a dipsy do flipperoo. He's mm-hmm. attacking Mueller, but he really believes Mueller's a good guy. No, Trump's not stupid. I know this. Got me? Yeah. All right. Okay. <laughs> Getting back to uh, our friend goes to the area. <laughs> Who's not our friend? He turned into State Puff Marshmallow Man, tried to destroy downtown Manhattan. <laughs> so last night I was on with Hannity and. I was asked to comment about one of my favorite topics, which is, uh, which is Beto. When I had my old NRA TV show, we used to talk about Beto a lot. Yeah. Um, hey, can I mention this quickly about NRA TV? Paula, you know, I said I'd never do this. She's like, don't even talk about it, but I'm going to do it anyway. Can I just do a quick thing on fake news? Because this is actually tie into Gozer the Gozerian. All right. Um, <laughs> you all are really wondering where <laughs> Gozer's going right now, aren't you? Yes. So this goes to show you, if you ever want to run for office or you get a public profile, you know, we complain about fake news a lot, but, and, and there's a number of examples we could show to prove fake news, but I want to show you how exactly it works. This is going to be quick, I promise you, and how it can, dist- and it only happens to conservatives, it never happens to liberals, by the way. Um, so Joe knows just about everything about my professional life because he's been involved mm-hmm. with me forever. Joe's my mm-hmm. first, what, employee, co-worker? I think yeah. a co-worker is probably a more appropriate term. You don't work for me, you work with me. Um but Joe knows this whole story. So I had a show at NRA TV called We Stand. A lot of you watched it. I appreciated the feedback. Um, I, I left NRA TV. It was nothing personal against them. They were great people. I enjoyed working with them. Um, but I left and I wound up signing with Fox News as a contributor. None of this is mysterious. Uh, NRA TV put out a press release saying, hey, we, you know, we, we did everything we could to retain Dan. Oh, we appreciate it. It was great mm-hmm. working with him. So they put out a press release. So this New York Times reporter, Danny Hockham, uh, writes a piece the other day, of course, taking a shot at NRA TV, a disingenuous shot, you know, a politically tainted piece. And it's kind of hysterical. So I, I, you know, I I get a kick out of this. He writes in his piece um, that I was I was released or something from NRA TV due to budget constraints. Folks, it's just factually incorrect. It's just not true. Joe, is that did, was I fired from NRA TV? <laughs> oh, no. Well, you're willing now. See, keep in mind, Joe, Joe's credibility matters to him. So does mine. Yeah, you're no. willing to, because you know the story. You are willing to go to the grave with that story, correct? Because it's true. The whole truth, nothing but the truth. So help Of me. course it is. Yeah, there you go. I was not let go. They offered a very nice contract. I'm not obviously getting into the financial terms, but mm-hmm. a very nice contract for me to stay. Right. I chose a different path. It wasn't personal. It, I just went with Fox instead. I signed with Fox News. I loved doing the show over there. It was great. Yet to this day, people still quote this ridiculous Daily Beast piece that I was let go, where the reporter who wrote the piece actually texted me. Here's the exact thing he texted me, the guy who wrote the piece of the Daily Beast. He said, I heard you didn't renew with NRA TV. Yes, correct. And then he goes mm-hmm. and writes a piece insinuating I was fired. <laughs> Whatever. The only reason I bring it up is the way fake news works is the Daily Beast then writes that piece with the insinuation I was let go. Lefties then go to Wikipedia. Wikipedia, which is a total scam site. If you ever tweet me or email me anything from Wikipedia, it's an Insta block. It is a Mm -hmm. scam site. Nothing on that Wikipedia. Nothing on there is, is, is politically free of bias. Nothing. Nothing. So someone goes to Wikipedia, edits my page, oh, and he was let go from NRA TV. I was not let go. That is NRA TV put out an actual press release. So it's funny because one of the guys then tells me, oh, well, someone from the NRA said that then, that you may have been let go. Well, I don't work for the NRA. I work for NRA TV. They're different entities. Right. So you, let me get this straight. You don't go from the press release from the person I worked for. You go from an anonymous source to another entity. It was just bizarre. And this is how fake news works. People Mm. still to this day, idiot liberals, not even remotely embarrassed 
by their stupidity, will tweet to me, ma'am, what, you, you got fired by NRA TV? Okay, whatevs, man. Now, how does this tie to Beto? So I was on last night. Sorry, I didn't mean to get off on that kind of uh, you know, rant, but it's just I'm just warning you. <laughs> you will be frustrated to death because the liberals are in no... I would be embarrassed going on the air. I'd be afraid of being sued. Mm-hmm. Saying, you know, Brian Stelter's been fired by CNN. He hasn't. He still works there. I Really, I'd be embarrassed. I'd be like, Bongino's got no credibility. He's lying about Stelter. I, I would never do that. But yet people to this day still insist on promoting this story that I was... It's completely 100% factually incorrect. There's no, And yet they still do it. So I was asked to come on Hannity last night to talk about Beto. And I, I you know, I, I love talking about Beto because Beto um, is Gozer the Gozerian in the media. Now, Paul, if you could put up a picture, you remember this character? There's, <laughs> There's Gozer the Gozerian uh, from Ghostbusters, the original Ghostbusters, not the awful sequel or the even worse uh, re- remake of the of the thing done recently, but I saw Ghostbusters with a tenant who used to live in this apartment we lived in. This guy yeah. Alan years ago when I was a kid, and at the end, this spiritual demon Gozer the Gozerian comes out. <laughs> Are you a god? No, then you'll die. Remember Gozer the Gozerian? <laughs> and Gozer asks uh, Venkman and the Ghostbusters crew, "Pick the means of your own destruction, right?" So, in other words, whatever they think of then that's what Gozer's going to become, Gozer the Gozerian, right? Beto's Gozer the Gozerian. The media, what has Gozer become? The Stay Ah. Pop Marshmallow Man, which proceeds to try to destroy downtown Manhattan. (laughs) Remember, nobody thought of anything, right? And all of a sudden you hear, they're like, who thought of something? And and you see, who was it? Uh, Ray, was it, I forget, was it Ray? It was the Dan Aykroyd character, right? So the Dan Aykroyd character, right? He's like, I can't help it. I thought of the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. <laughs> and then you see, Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. <laughs> That's Gozer the Gozerian. So Beto's Gozer and Stay Puft. The point is, mm. the way the media treats me and conservatives, Hannity, Levin, everyone, where they lie about us endlessly, lie, I mean, openly, easily refutable lies, is never the way they will treat Beto. They leave Beto like the tabula rasa, the blank slate. Why? Because they want you, like the Dan Aykroyd character, to project onto Beto what you think he is. Folks, it's a serious point. Again, I'm using a little mm-hmm. comedy and sarcasm because it's Friday and mm-hmm. the show opened on obviously a very serious somber note because of the tragedy out there. Mm-hmm. But I want to leave you on a Friday in a really bad mood. The, this is what they do. They leave Beto a blank slate. They never nail him down on specifics on almost anything. So they let you project onto Beto what you think Beto really is. But when it comes to Donald Trump, me, anyone else out there would even, I mean, I have nothing, not, not even a scintilla of a profile compared to Trump. But with Donald Trump, Joe, everything he does is defined for you. Yeah. Let me give you a quick example. Oh, okay. Donald Trump on Cinco de Mayo's eating a taco ball. Oh, what a racist. Right? Remember that story, Joe? He's yeah. got to be. He's eating a taco. I eat taco balls on Cinco de Mayo. My wife is a sure. Does that make me a racist? Are you kidding? Like, how stupid? I had a margarita on Cinco de Mayo. You're a racist. Cultural appropriator. Meanwhile, Beto, who has a Hispanic nickname, fine. I don't care. His, his nickname is Beto. It doesn't bother right. me at all. Right. That's like cool and edgy. Beto's white. He's not Hispanic. Folks, I don't care. I'm not an identity politics guy. I don't care. I know a lot. I had a white friend, my friend Carl Gandolfo, a good friend of mine. I used to call him Carlos. And it's a long story because he came in one time. I was watching that movie, The Last Starfighter, Mm -hmm. and the license plate said Rylos. And he walked in without me seeing him. I'm like, Rylos? And he goes, Carlos? And that was it. I called him Carlos from that point on. (laughs) He wasn't appropriating anything. He just walked in while I was watching a movie called The Last Starfighter. Right. I don't care about Beto's last name, but if Trump was to call himself, uh, you know, uh, uh, Trump, what's his uh, Donald John, Donald Juan Trump instead? Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna use my nickname as Juan instead of John. Oh my God, people go crazy. He's a cultural pro. What a racist! You see my point? Sure. How Democrats like Beto is? He's Gozer the Gozerian. He turns into whatever you want. The Stay Puft Marshmallow Man, a local kitten, a puppy. It doesn't matter. Beto is Gozer. And it's the media that does that because they leave him a blank slate. 
Everything is painted and flowery. He's a rock star. He's a sensation. I got a thrill up my leg. I peed down my leg when I saw Beto. I was so excited. How many times? Google the word rock star and Beto. And then Google the word rock star and Trump. Everything. Trump. Remember Trump? Trump gets two scoops of ice cream. Oh, my gosh. Two scoops of What a head. What an awful good Trump. How greedy. Meanwhile, when Beto gets two scoops of ice cream, how cool mm. Beto. He loves ice cream. He's Gozer the Gozerian. There we go. Up on the screen again. I can see it out of the corner of my eye. There's Beto. Gozer the Gozerian. Paula, this would have been a great time for your new split screen. Paula's like learning this. She's so smart. Bing, 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 bing. She figures it out. We got a split screen. Beto and Gozer the Gozerian. And it's not even Beto's fault. I'm not even blaming Beto. It's Mm -hmm. the media. Everybody on the left is a blank slate. Everybody on the right is to be defined as a racist, xenophobe, misogynist, whatever. Just disgusting. Wow. Now that was a show today. Yes, sir. I slept a lot last night. I feel pretty good. And I'm starting to heal up finally, folks. So uh, yeah, thank you good. for all your kind emails about my... I promise I'm okay. These were relatively minor surgeries. It was just a lot to get back to back. And uh, I thank you to Marion who emailed me yesterday saying, uh, I really appreciate you not skipping any shows. I'm not, folks. I'm, you know, We're going to start taking some vacations soon that are planned, but we are not skipping shows on this uh, out of convenience. We owe you out of convenience. We owe you the content. You stick with us, we'll stick with you. So thanks for everything. Mm-hmm. Please subscribe to my show on iTunes. It's free. Uh, you can also subscribe if you're an Android user on, uh, on iHeartRadio. And Paula has asked me to please go to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Bongino, and please subscribe. I'm humbly. I know. Listen, I get it. Uh, and if YouTube starts messing with us, we'll just put the video up on Gino.com. Um, but we'd really appreciate it if you would subscribe there and comment on the show. We read your comments and it helps us a lot with the feedback. So thanks a lot. We appreciate it. See you all on Monday. Good day, sir. You just heard the Dan Bongino Show. You can also get Dan's podcasts on iTunes or SoundCloud. And follow Dan on Twitter 24-7 at DBongino.